Hey guys, how y'all doing? Everybody doing good? Come on, I'm going to need a little more from you guys than that. My name is Clint, and uh, it's really nice to meet you. I'd love to meet you. Why don't you guys say your names, everybody on three. Ready? One, two, three. Lisa. Got it. I heard Lisa, and I heard Wes. That's all I heard. But it, it is nice to meet the rest of you guys. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to start this morning just by uh, thanking Wes for the opportunity to be here. I have been following uh, along Wes and Diana since they started Hope Church, and as you guys know, man, the last few months has just been tough in general, right? It's tough to be a pastor. Uh, it's tough just to be alive right now. 2020 has been a tough year. But Wes, you have done an incredible job leading just this church. And you guys, uh, just watching from afar, you have no idea how. My, my impression is uh, it's a privilege to have Wes and Diana as your pastors. And so uh, I just want to celebrate the fact that you've done an incredible job. And uh, I'm so thankful for, for what you're doing, man. You're doing an incredible job here. And so we're in the middle of uh, this series, Summer Experiencing the Fullness of God. And so actually, we're, we're actually at the end of the series, right? This is the end of the series. And so if you're just catching up on us, we, we base this series on John 10, 10. And, and that says that we have a, there's a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life, and you can actually have life to the full. And I love how Wes described it. He described it in, in week one as that feeling after you kind of push back from the table after having a full meal. Do you guys know that? You guys know that feeling? That's kind of the feeling. I, as I was watching this, I thought, you know, what does Wes know about a full meal? Man, this guy, this is a skinny guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it has a whole lot more meaning when a guy like me gets up here and says, hey, I know the feeling of fullness, right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But I love and I hope that you have begun to understand what, it, what it's like to experience the fullness of God. That's what this series has been all about. If you're, if you're just joining us, uh, let me catch you up real quick what we've been talking about. Week one, we talked about the destination. We've been going on this journey with Jesus on this road road trip with Jesus. And on a road trip, you got to know where you're going, right? The, the destination is to experience the fullness of God, to, to experience a full life. Week two, we talked about the driver. What's the driver? Do you guys remember who the driver was? We had a, a two-man bike up here. Now, did, did Wes and Diane, I didn't see you guys actually get on that bike, but I understand y'all been riding around Disney Springs. Is that true? You guys, just the two of you, that's date night. So we said, we said that, that the Holy Spirit has got to be the driver, right? In order to experience a full life, it's like being on a two-man bike. You've got to part. You've got to pedal. You've got to put some effort in, right? But the Holy Spirit is driving the bike. You've got to have a driver. So we have a destination, a place that we're going. We have a driver. And occasionally we run into detours, don't we? Occasionally we run into detours. And last week, Mr. Janney spoke, and he talked about this idea of detours are not dead ends. Detours don't have to be dead ends, even though sometimes they feel them. I feel that way. I know I have felt that way. I've had detours in my life. I bet you have too. They can feel like a dead end, but detours don't have to be a dead end. This week, we're going to talk about distractions. Everybody say distractions. We're going to talk about distractions. And uh, I want to introduce you guys to my three kids. They're not all three here. Two of them are here this morning, but we have a picture of uh, my three kids. This is them. Um, they are awesome kids, they're really cool kids, but they do get their style from their mama. So, um, yeah, they're, 
<laughs> Praise God. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's, uh, let's see, that's Silas on the right, and then Leighton is in the middle, and then my daughter Bentley is there on the left. She's awesome. So uh, those are my three kids. If you guys have kids, you know parenting can be uh, full of emotion, can it? It can be full of all kinds of emotion, joy and happiness and fear and uncertainty. And every once in a while, you'll experience all of those things in one day, sometimes even in one moment. Let me tell you about one of my favorite stories that I like to talk about with my little buddy, Leighton. Leighton's our youngest. He's a wild man. Okay, that's just, he's always been that way uh, from the time he was born. He is a wild man. And so we used to go, back when we lived in Georgia, we would go to this farm. It was in the middle of nowhere, thousands of acres. We had four-wheelers we could ride. We could walk around the woods. There was a place to hunt and fish. There was all kinds of cool stuff. We were taking our kids to this property. We'd go for a weekend or for a week, and we would just go explore the woods. We would have an awesome time. So from a very early age, my kids were on four-wheelers. They would just ride around four-wheelers. And these were not like full-size. These were like mini four-wheelers. And we got, we got it to where they would ride together, and then eventually they got comfortable enough where they were riding the four-wheeler by themselves. And so we would, Angie and I would sit in the house, and we could hear the engines running, and kids would just go out and explore. And it was kind of one of those moments as parents where you're trying to let your kids, you know, grow up a little bit. And so we can, I can remember vividly, Angie and I are sitting in this house one day, and uh, we're down at the farm, and two of my kids, Silas and Bentley, come running in. Mom, Dad, quick, come. Leighton's crashed the four-wheeler. And our heart kind of sinks, right? Oh, no. There's all kinds of danger around, right? There's all kinds of things that could happen. This is obviously a risk that we're taking. So Leighton has crashed the four-wheeler. So we go running. There, there was only a certain area that they could ride in, and so it wasn't too far away. We're, we're running, and I, I run about halfway, and then, you know, I got to, you know, that kind of deal. Okay. Uh, I don't think I made it the whole way, did I, babe? I th- I'm sure I had to stop. So, okay, I got my breath. Now I'm running again, and we finally get to the place, and we have a picture of it. Check out what Leighton did. This is Leighton when he's about five years old, and somehow Leighton put the four-wheeler down into the... And if you could see, if you could see his face, he kind of has this scrunched up, he's got this scrunched up nose, and he's like, look what happened, Dad. Look what happened, Mom. We were just thankful that he wasn't on or under the four-wheeler and that he was, that he was safe. So we asked him, we got, got the four-wheeler out of there and asked him what happened. Well, my brother and my sister, they were following me in the four-wheeler, and guess what Leighton was doing? He was turning around looking to see where his brother and sister were, right? And next thing you know, boom, ended up right in the ditch ended up right in the ditch. He was, he was distracted. He was distracted. We've all been distracted. You guys have been distracted. Maybe you got a, a speeding ticket, or you ran into a curb, or you were late for a meeting. We've all had these moments where something happened. Why? Because we're distracted. This is a normal part of life, right? Maybe you had uh, recently an anniversary come up, or something special where you're going to cook dinner. You're going to cook a meal for that special somebody, and what happens? You're cooking, and you think you got, you got all these dishes going, and what'd you do? You burnt something. Why? What happened? Well, you were distracted, right? Well, let me ask you this. This is, this is something that happens to me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but have you ever been in a conversation with your wife or with your husband, and you're about three or four minutes into it, and they say something, and you think, oh, I should be paying attention to this conversation right now, 
but I don't have any idea what she's talking about, right? Have you guys ever done, have you guys ever, and then you, in that moment, there's a, there's, a, there's a decision that you have to make, right? You have to decide, okay, this is a courageous move. Do I say, Ange, can you start this, you know this conversation we've been in for the last three to five minutes? Can we start this over? Because I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Have you guys ever been there? I mean, it's a courageous move. Well, what, what happened? You're distracted. You're distracted. It's easy to get distracted, right? There's all kinds of things that can be distracting. Some of you might be on your phones right now. If you're watching online, you're sitting on social media, and you're thinking, ah, I'm, this, is dis- this is distracting. It's easy to get distracted in life, right? It's so easy, and our relationship with God is no different. Our relationship with God is really not any different. It's easy to be distracted. We're going to look at a story today. It's found in Mark chapter 10, a guy who was basically distracted. It's a conversation that Jesus has with a guy. And the interesting thing about this conversation, in fact, all the conversations that Jesus has, Jesus has a way of having conversations with people and then somehow changing their lives, exposing things that they didn't realize. And so we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus has with a guy in Mark chapter 10. And over and over, Jesus has these conversations, and like I said, he exposes things about people that we're going to read about, the people that we get to read about. And this guy is no different. The story is called The Rich Young Ruler. And this rich young ruler, he had a burning question inside of him. He'd, he'd heard about Jesus. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. He heard about Jesus' teaching. He'd heard who Jesus was or maybe who people thought Jesus was. And so he wanted to meet Jesus because he had this question that he could not get answered for himself. He had a question that maybe he'd been asking for a long time. Maybe he'd taken it to the churches of his day. He'd taken it to the priest. He'd taken it to anybody that he thought could help him. But he couldn't find an answer. So we're going to pick up the story in Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 17. Here's what it says. I'm going to read it for you if you guys want to follow along. We're going to start in verse 17. It says this. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So this man, you can picture, he's run, Jesus is walking along this road, and this man runs up. It's pretty unusual. He runs up, and he falls on his knees before Jesus. And he says, Good teacher, he asked, What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, here's a guy who wanted to know that when he died, everything was going to be okay. Have you guys ever wondered that? Here's a guy who wanted to know that when he died, he was going to go to heaven. That was his question. What do I have to do to earn eternal life? What do I have to do to get eternal life? Because this question inside of him, he just, he didn't feel any peace about when he laid his head down in bed at night, he, he just had this question inside of him. He couldn't find peace around, have I done everything I can do to get eternal life? Jesus answers, he responds in a way that catches the guy off guard. This is very normal for Jesus. He assumes Jesus is a good man. He assumes Jesus is a good teacher. And so he wants to know, what must I do to eternal, uh, inherit eternal life? The next verse says, Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Right? He didn't expect Jesus to say that. Why do you call me good? Now, the word he uses here for good isn't that he's assuming Jesus is a good teacher. Okay? 
The word here is not, okay, I've heard you teach, and, and you're a better teacher than some of these other people. No, this word for good means there's something inherently different. There's something deeply good and unique about this man, Jesus. That's the word that this guy uses. And Jesus looks at him and says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And Jesus is picking up on something. He's saying, now wait a second. What are you saying? This man is down on his knees in front of him, and, and he's, he's trying to see if this man understands. Are you saying that maybe I'm good in that maybe I'm God? Are you saying that maybe I'm good in that somehow God and I are connected? Is, is that what you're saying? And, and this young man, he's confused. He doesn't get it, right? He, he's like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. There's a pause here in this moment, I can imagine. And so Jesus continues. Jesus is going to play along with him. He says, well, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. You see, Jesus knows where this guy's going. This guy's trying to cheat the system. He's trying to, he's trying to work the system. He's trying to figure out, what do I have to do, me personally, what do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? Jesus gets this. He sees right through it. And so Jesus plays along, and, and, he, and he starts with the big ones, right? He, he's like, well, you know the commandments. Don't you know the commandments? You've heard of the commandments. Just, just follow those. Aren't those good enough? Do not murder. Do not steal. Don't commit adultery, right? Jesus begins to list these commandments off, and you can sense this guy starts to get frustrated, okay? Look what he says next. He says, he says, teacher, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. In other words, hey, Jesus, don't just list the Ten Commandments. Come on, man. You're good. Guess what? I'm good too. In fact, I'm real good. I've been keeping these commandments since I was just a little kid. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this. I still don't feel like I have the whole picture. There's got to be something that I'm missing and then I love this. I want us to catch this. This next verse, it says, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. It, it, it kind of shifts directions. Right in the middle of this story, there's a turn, and you can picture this moment, this interaction that Jesus is having with this man. He's trying to work the system, right? He's trying to cheat the system. He's trying to find an easy way out. In the middle of that, Jesus looks at this man, and he loves him. I want us to catch this. If you're a Christ follower, it's so important, especially today, that you understand this. Now, if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you say, you know what, I haven't signed up for that, I'm not into that, you, you get a pass on this. You get a pass on this. But if you would say, I have a relationship with Jesus, I've put my faith in Jesus, Jesus is modeling something for us here. Here this guy is who's basically trying to cheat his way into eternal life. This guy's trying to work the system, cheat the system. And Jesus looks at him, and he loves him. The first emotion that Jesus expresses for this man is love. Do you know what that means? If Jesus were to walk in to this room right here today, or if you're watching online, if he were to walk into your house, you know the first thing he would feel for you? Love. If Jesus were to show up at one of the protests that's happening all over the country, do you know the emotion he would bring to that? 
love. If Jesus were to sit down to go another level, maybe a little more personal, with a Trump supporter, right, or a Biden fan, or a cop, or a looter, what's he going to feel? First thing, first thing, love. If Jesus were going to sit down with a black guy, a white woman, a Hispanic man, What's he going to start with? He's going to start with love. It is so important that we get this right. It is so important that we follow Jesus' model. Here a guy is who's basically trying to take advantage of the system. He's, he's literally talking with the Son of God, and he has no idea. He's trying to take advantage of a system. And what does Jesus model for us? Love. Love. He starts with love. It's so important, guys. You know what? We all know what's going on in our world. Where do we start? We have to follow Jesus in this. We start with with love. John 13 said it this way. You guys have heard this. This is how they will know who the world knows that you follow me. What does it say? You love one another. This is how you'll know that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're a disciple of mine, that you love one another. So Jesus continues back to the story. Jesus is interacting with this guy, and he's about to tap right into this guy's heart. He's about to give this guy literally the opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm thinking in this moment, the disciples must have kind of perked up, right? The disciples perk up, and they're thinking, okay, this is about to get really interesting. Jesus looks at him and he says, there's one thing you lack. And, and you can kind of picture the man's grabbing. Okay, hold on. Okay, one thing. Got it. Let me grab a pen. Let me grab my paper. Hang on. There's one thing. I've got the Ten Commandments. I'm about to get the Eleventh Commandment. Here we go. Right? This is going to be awesome. So this guy's ready. One thing I, I lack. And he's looking at Jesus. He's like, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I, I'm going to do whatever this thing is. I'm going to do it better than anybody else you've ever seen do it. You can picture this moment with this guy. He's ready. What is it? What do I lack? Look what Jesus says. He says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have. I don't think he wrote that down, okay? I don't think he wrote that part down. Wait a second, I'm confused. Go and sell everything you have. Yeah, everything? Yeah, everything. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He's still not writing, okay? He's still not writing. Give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the guy's like, no, 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 you misunderstand. I want eternal life. I, I'm just looking for eternal life. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to work the system here. I'm trying to kind of find an easy way out. I, I didn't, uh, you're, I'm not really looking to follow you. I just want eternal life. And you could kind of picture this man saying, no, 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 God, I, I don't want to get in on your deal. What's he saying? God, I want you to get in on, on my deal. I, I want you to get in on my deal. You want me to sell everything I have? You want me to give it to the poor? And then you want me to follow you? And we look at this, we can read this, and we say, well, that's not even the right answer. If one of you were to come up to me, and you were to say, hey, Clint, how do I have eternal life? I wouldn't tell you to go and sell everything you have. 
wouldn't tell you that, right? We'd look at this and say, Jesus, you didn't even give the guy the right answer. Is this, is this even the right answer? Well, uh, yeah, it is the right answer, and here's why. This is, this is what Jesus knew about this man. This is what he knows about you and I. This is what he knows about us. Jesus came to expose us to the heart of God. You know what God wants more than anything else? He wants our heart. He wants our love. He wants our loyalty. Eternal life, what this man was seeking, is all about relationship. See, this, this rich young ruler thought it was just going to be another commandment. He thought it was just going to be another thing to do. And Jesus looks at him and he says, eternal life is not about a to-do list. Eternal life is not about just following a list of, of things. Jesus said, no, 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 guys, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. I came to expose you so that you could see the very heart of God. And what is he saying? The heart of God is all about your loyalty, your attention. It's all about relationship. John 17 says it this way. It says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? It's not about heaven someday. Eternal life is not about the hope of heaven. Eternal life is about knowing God today, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know God, to connect with Him, to be in relationship with Him daily. Eternal life is about a relationship with God. And Jesus looks at this man and He says, in order for you to connect with me, and for you to connect with God the way I really want you to connect, you've got to leave primary loyalty and you got you got Matthew there right and he looks at Matthew and he says Matthew had to leave the tax collector's booth right you've got John there and he says John had to drop his fishing nets and he looks at this man and he says I want you to leave your money why because your money is your primary loyalty Jesus said I came to disconnect people from the thing that has their loyalty and I came to connect them with me. I came to connect them with God. In that moment, in an instant, check this out. In front of everybody standing there, this man discovered something about himself. He discovered that his question really didn't have anything to do with eternal life. His primary ambition in life wasn't actually anything to do with God. He wanted to stay in the seat of control. His, his primary focus, his primary concern, to the point where he looks at the Son of God, think about this, he literally looks at Jesus in the face and he says, no thank you. No thank you. Here's what it says in verse 22. It says, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. He's saying, Jesus, I have too much stuff to follow you. Jesus, I've worked hard for all of this. Jesus, look at all that I have. You don't really expect me to walk away from all of that 
to follow you. Now, the interesting thing about this story is some of us, it, it makes us uncomfortable because we think the point is, well, Jesus wants us to sell everything. That's not the point. The interesting thing about this story is Jesus doesn't say, go sell everything you have and give it to me. Is that what he says? No. He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Why? Because I don't want your money. You know what I want? I want your heart. I want your heart. He looks at this man and he says, you got to sell everything you have because your heart is attached to your money. Let me ask you guys a question this morning. What's your heart attached to? Where is your primary loyalty? We started this series talking about the idea that we have a thief, we have an enemy, and his job is to kill and steal and destroy everything that you have. Jesus came to give life, to bring life, and life to the full. In order to get that, how do we experience life to the full? Jesus has to have our focus, our attention, our loyalty. This man looked at Jesus and he said, no, thank you. He said, no, I'm not going to give up my money. You've done that too. I've done that. We've looked at Jesus and we've said, no, I'm not going to follow you right now. I'm not going to do that. What was it over? I'm betting that every single one of us in the room this morning, we know exactly what it is. I'm hoping... There's something that's in your mind right this minute. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe there's something you're fearful of. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your ambition. I don't know what it is, but you do. You know what has your primary loyalty. And my hope is that sometime today, sometime this week, you're going to want to run from this. You're you're not going to want to think about it. You're going to want to push it away. My hope is that sometime, whether it's in small group this week, whether it's over lunch with somebody that you trust, that you would begin to answer this question. What's warring for my heart? What is Satan using to distract me? What's the thing that's taking my primary loyalty and my primary attention off of Jesus? hope that you'll take some time this week to think about that. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for this story. God, you preserve these stories again so that we can see, we can literally see and feel the heart of your Father. God, I feel it in this story. God, you looked at this man and you loved him. When he was trying to take advantage of you, you loved him. God, I know you love me. Ultimately, you want me to love you back. So I pray that each person in this room, they would consider this week what it looks like, what it means to give you their primary Lord loyalty. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed for just a moment, man, I don't want anyone to leave here today without knowing that you can have eternal life. 
the guy asked the wrong question. He wasn't really asking the question. Clint did such a great job explaining that to us today. But here's what you need to know. Here's what that guy did need. Whether or not he knew he needed it or not, is you need a relationship with Jesus. You can't have peace and joy and, and all the things that God has for you without a relationship. You're not going to be able to choose love as your first option like Jesus chose without a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't, I don't have that. I need a relationship with Jesus. The Bible tells us that in this room you're here today or you're watching online that we're all sinners. We've all missed the mark. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Then it goes on to tell us a little bit further in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Because we've sinned, we're separated from God. We don't want you to stay separated. Jesus doesn't want to stay separated from you. He actually designed you to be in close proximity with him. So he sent his son. John chapter 3, verse 16 said he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, even though you were a sinner, he commended or he gave his love or he lavished his love upon you. So if you're here today in person or online saying, you say, man, I, I didn't know that. I, I need to, I want that relationship that Clint talked about today. Would you write where you're at? Would you just say, Jesus, I admit that I've done wrong. I know that I've missed the mark, God. I, I, I believe today that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again three days later. Jesus, I'm committing my life to you right now. I'm giving you my life. Lord, I want relationship with you. Forgive me of all the wrongdoing. Help me to live my life for you. Would you say this to him, God, I'm going all in with you because you went all in with me. Ask Christ to be my Savior, but today was the first day. Would you shoot your hand up real quick and say, Wes, I prayed that prayer with you today for the very first time. Anybody like that across the way today? I prayed that prayer for the first time. If you're watching online today, you can let the online host know that you've committed your life to Christ today. She'll give you more instructions on how to do that. Hey, church, if you're in here today in the building, you've already given your life to Christ. Are you, are you still holding back from God? Of the all that he, he's given you everything are you still holding back a little bit are there some things in your life that that are still kind of like you think you're nailing it but you just a few things you're distracted a little bit you're looking back like you know God's called you to go right but you're maybe looking left or he's called you to go forward and but you're maybe looking back a little bit and and, you're, and your four wheelers getting a little bit off track man don't leave today not on track with God let's go from being distracted to being on track on just right lined up with God let's be aligned with the Holy Spirit Let's know where we're going to go. Let's go towards the fullness of God. The word was so clear today. Clint said this, you can't experience the fullness of God if you're looking back and you're distracted. You can't experience all that you, God has for you if you're trying to keep control. And let's let that go today. So right where you're at today, would you just have a moment? Would you make your seat an altar? You know the thing that's holding you back today. Would you just tell God, God, I don't want that no more. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's a person in a relationship that you're in working on. Would you just ask God to help you through all that today? Lord, we believe that we're in the middle of a move, and it's hard to be in that move if we're distracted. Lord, I love this church. I love every single person in this room today or watching online. I, I want their heart to be aligned with you because I want things I want for them what you want for them. And your desire is to have a heart. God, I want you to have my heart, Diana's heart, my kid's heart, our team's heart, everyone, my friends here today in person or online. I want you to have their heart so that they can get all that you have for them. Lord, you want so much more for us than you want from us. Thank you for the gift of salvation for those that maybe ask Christ to be their Savior for the very first time today. Lord, I pray that their life would be forever different.
that they've experienced the fullness of God. We love you. We thank you. Name you pray. Amen. I'm going to have you take a look at the screens.